This is Mary Lewis at A Tiny Homestead, the podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today I'm talking with Chris at Happy Jack Homestead. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? Oh, good morning, Mary. I'm actually doing really good today. How are you doing? I'm great. It's going to snow today, they say, in Minnesota. They say. We're getting a little rain, but it's not cold enough here to snow. Yeah, you're in North Carolina? Uh, we're actually in uh, Southern Virginia. Sorry, I thought it was North Carolina. Whoops. We're, okay. We're right on the line. We're only about 15 minutes from there, so it's not too bad. Okay. Well, tell me all about Happy Jack Homestead, which I keep thinking in my head is Apple Jack Homestead for some reason. <laughs> well, Happy Jack Homestead, um, we're, we're actually like your podcast. We're a very small, tiny homestead, but almost in the middle of like a suburban part of the city. You know, um, so we don't have a lot of land whatsoever. We're actually living on about 0.12 of one acre. Mm -hmm. Um, But So we have to be really selective of what we grow and innovative on how we grow it because of the limited space, you know. How close are your neighbors to you? (laughs) Um, Honestly, I look out the window and they're about 20, 25 feet away. We're just like in a neighborhood almost. And do your neighbors approve or, or applaud what you're doing, or do they think you're a little um, odd? Maybe a little bit of all of that. Okay. But um, most of them are very interested, and everyone loves you know, receiving some of the things that we, we can grow and we do give them. Yeah, we were doing the same thing until a little over three years ago. We had a, we had a tenth of an acre lot with a four-car garage and a 900-square-foot house, you know, living space house on it. And we decided that feeding our kids veggies from our our plants in our tiny little yard was probably a good idea. Yes, and exactly. so we ripped up the backyard and put in tomatoes and cucumbers and herbs and squash and all kinds of things. And the neighbors thought that we were a um, little different yeah. until we shared, and then they got it. So it was fine. Yeah, we're in that exact, exact same uh, uh, predicament there, as people are looking kind of funny, but they also think it's it's kind of cool at the same time. Yeah, I was afraid the city was going to be like, you can't do that. You must grow grass. And I was going to be like, but I can't eat grass. Exactly. <laughs> if you want me to, I'll get animals that eat the grass. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And we actually had like, oh, I don't even know how many years ago it was. It was when that bird flu went through. Oh, my and gosh, yes, and uh, chicken eggs went up extremely, sorry, exponentially, and so we ended up getting chickens because uh, in our city at the time it was a complaint-based thing. It was more like ask, don't ask for permission, just yeah. ask for forgiveness. <laughs> so we ended up getting four chickens because I didn't want to pay what they were asking for eggs at the store trying to feed four kids. And our neighbors were fine with it. And as soon as I gave them some eggs, they were really fine with it. So <laughs> they were really fine after that. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of a ask for permission girl. But yeah. in that case, I was more I want to feed my kids. So, yeah, well, we were lucky enough to um, already have three chickens at that time. So um, I was trying to explain to some people that, you know, Getting chickens and raising them is is not actually as bad as you would think, 
but the expense is you might as well just go out and buy those eggs. It's not going to be that easy or that cheap for you to go get chickens instead of just buying the eggs. We were lucky we knew someone who had lots of chickens, so we oh, we we didn't spend a lot of money on the chickens, and it was only four chickens, so they did not eat a lot, and they got a lot of table scraps. So it actually was less expensive, and it was a really good learning experience for the kids at the time. Yeah. Well, so that's what we did. So do you have anything else besides chickens? Um, it really feels like it, uh, for spacing, that's all the animals we have right now. We have mm -hmm. five chickens now. Luckily in, uh, Norfolk where we live, um, you are allowed to have up to five hens, mm -hmm. um, right down the street in Virginia beach. You are not allowed to have any whatsoever unless you're zoned agriculturally. Yeah. Okay. So do you do a lot of, um, vegetable growing instead of animal raising? That's that's more of where we're focused at right now. I mean, on this tiny little place, we squeeze in stuff everywhere. We like to grow vertically. Um, we plant inner. I'm sorry. We plant all kinds of uh, uh, in between each other. I mean, tomatoes, different kinds of peppers, potatoes, garlic, onions, fennel, asparagus, strawberries, bok choy. I mean, you name it, and we're giving it a go. We're squeezing it in somewhere. Um, I think that's one of the hardest parts about having this tiny little place. Uh, we do plan on getting some, you know, uh, land in the future, but we're working with what we have for now. Um, we even grow all different kinds of herbs because I do like to make my own, um, you know, salves and tinctures and all this other things with the herbs that we grow as well as, you know, uh, forage around when we go out walking. Yes, as a as a former tiny lot house owner, it is possible to do all those things. And we did the same thing. And and then we had friends that had bought 24 acres, um, maybe four or five miles from us at the time. And the lady of the house said, hey, do you want to grow a garden here? Because we have the room. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, are you sure? Are you sure? Because my husband's going to be over at your house at sunrise in the summer because he loves to garden. She was like, that's fine. And so talked to my husband and he was like, yeah, I, I want to do that. I said, okay, awesome. Fantastic. You work it out with her because you're the gardening dude. And we put in a garden over there and it was great because I got to see my friend all the time and yeah. my husband got to garden. And then they found out they were putting up a pole barn right next to where the garden was. And uh, we ended up not harvesting stuff past, I think it was first part of August that year. Mm -hmm. So we, we lost a bunch of winter squash. But other than that, it was a fantastic opportunity for my husband to be able to garden on a bigger scale. Nice. Yes, yes. And it was in 2020, and then we had the opportunity to buy a 3.1-acre lot with a two-bedroom, 1,400-square-foot old farmhouse on it that had been remodeled, and we were gone. We were like, yeah. we're out of here. Let's yeah, go. Like so the hope for you is that if you're looking to get into more land, that you do, because I can tell you right now, my husband has never been happier in his life his garden is three times the size that it was at our friend's place. Yes. And it's probably six times the size it was at the old house. So, 
Well, that's our, our focus here is really trying to get down um, everything that we can so that way we don't have to learn as much later. Uh, I, mean, mm-hmm. I know that we'll never stop learning and there's always going to be something new thrown at us, but at least we can take what we already know and just upscale that. I mean, we do have a small area, but we have our own compost. I do mm-hmm. uh, vermicomposting with the worms so I can have worm castings. Um, we obviously have the chickens, rain barrels for rain collection. Um, I set up uh, irrigation for all of our um, different places for the gardens. Uh, we may even um, install a, a well soon um, just to help us out with that. I assume you pay for your water. Yes. So mm-hmm. I try to use uh, the least amount of that as possible with the rain collection. You know, um, it does get us a good bit. But uh, in the midsummer, when it's quite hot, we do have to use um, some of our, our water, the city water. Yeah. And it's not cheap. I know no. we we went through the same thing. So. <laughs> no. so we were looking at installing a well. And I mean, it, it is a little bit up front, but at the same time, it's going to cost, you know, a lot less on the city part. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to feel terrible about watering your plants when it's exactly, a well. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, a we... a really big part is the rain collection. That really does uh, give us a good bit. Yeah, we have, we have a well here. And uh, it's if we didn't have the well, we could not do what we're doing. We would not have the money to pay for the water to do what we're doing. I I can only imagine something bigger. It's expensive enough here on this little tiny lot. Yeah. Yeah. We, when we did it at the old house, it, we didn't have summers happening like we've had the last couple where it, it's rained a lot in May and June and then nothing for July and August. The last two years, we've had very, very little rain in the heat of the summer and there's just no way we could have done it. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that we, we have a well and it, I was afraid it was going to go dry last summer. I said, what do we do if the well goes dry? And Kyle said, uh, he said, we dig it deeper. And I said, how much is, how much is that going to cost? He said, lots. He said, so pray it doesn't go dry. I was like, okay. (laughs) That's another benefit of here is I can uh, walk uh, about four blocks down and there's the bay. So we're only we're right at sea level. Mm-hmm. So most people that have wells in our area I've talked to, they're only going down 12 to 20 feet. Sure. Yeah. Whereas we would have to go many, many more feet yeah, than that. <laughs> we're not anywhere near a big body of water, unfortunately. We're near a river, but it's not the same thing. So. So, um, do you got, do you have kids? Do you have a wife? Well, we do. It's, um, so on, on our little tiny homestead, it's, uh, me, my, my amazing wife, Jessie, our sweet little girl, Alice. Um, we just got a, a baby little pug. His name is Walter. <laughs> and of course, um, where people sometimes get confused is my name is not actually Jack, but, um, our dog's name is Jack. Mm-hmm. So, the reason behind Happy Jack Homestead is we kind of got a rescue of a rescue dog. Someone had rescued him from originally, I think it was Texas, and his, he was a baby. And they got him and realized that they worked way too much to actually have a dog. And he was basically raised in a cage um, until we got him. Mm-hmm. And um, you can just tell he needed more land. He's a good-sized dog. 
there's the baby barking at the yep. door now. <laughs> but um, so we promised him one day we're going to get him a farm. Um, we've already had the ideas of moving out and, you know, raising our own animals and, you know, a bigger garden and all that. But he really solidified that when we promised him that he wanted he wanted his own sheep, really. He loves sheep. Oh, cute. What kind of dog is Jack? Um, he's a mix. Um, he's pretty much like a, a Labrador size uh, mm -hmm. with some chow and some sort of um, um, hound in him, too. He's such a sweet boy, and he's so um, gentle-natured, you know. Um, you just want to give him everything. He's, he's such a good boy. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about my dog again. She comes up in every single recording I do. We have a very sweet dog, too. Her name is Maggie, and she's a mini Australian Shepherd. She weighs about 35 pounds, and she's maybe, I don't know, 22 inches tall. Okay. So she's she's a chunk. She's not fat, but she's a chunk. I understand. That's the best way to be. <laughs> yeah, and we uh, we got her in... October of 2020 after we moved in here in August of 2020. So literally trying to get used to a new place with a brand new puppy who was eight weeks old at the time. I don't recommend that. I really, really don't. I'm glad we did it. I love her. She's fantastic. She loves her people. She is she would love to be a herding dog, really, literally, but we don't have anything for her to herd. So she's the she's the watchdog, and she alerts on every noise outside, which is really fun when we're trying to have quiet, but it's fine. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't recommend getting a dog more, more heavily than saying, have a dog. If you have the opportunity to have a dog, have a dog. Absolutely. I was I was a cat person. I have always had house cats. Yes. And we did have we had two house cats when we got her. One was an old man black cat named Spook, and one was a brand new kitten named Molly. And Spook got sick and is no longer with us, and mm. Molly decided that she needed to be an outdoor kitty. And she's actually no longer with us either because she got hit by a car because that's oh, what happens. Yeah, sometimes. So all we have now is Maggie in the house. And Maggie lays down when I tell her to. And Maggie jumps in my lap and gives me kisses whenever she wants. And she tells me everything she needs to tell me through her face and her yes. barks. And it's like having another kid, only easier, I think, than having a kid sometimes. <laughs> So be their own um, uh, babysitter at, you know, yeah. six months old. Yeah. So I, I, if, if you're not, con if you don't consider yourself a dog person, you consider yourself a cat person, you will be converted if you get a puppy. Oh, absolutely. We found it's crazy. Love. Uh, we grew up, um, both me and my wife, we grew up with dogs. I had a lot more cats growing up than she did, um, but we were definitely dog people. Um, my wife actually has her own business, walking dogs, and um, they come over and she boards dogs. Okay. So we have different dogs over all the time, um, left and right. Sometimes, I mean, this past uh, holidays, we everybody leaves to go out of town and we watch their dogs. So our house was full of six dogs. Oh, all, fun. All about a week. 
That's great. I would have loved that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely great. So Jack has so many friends that come over and he loves every one of them and he shows them around and plays with them. So he, he's hardly ever alone, especially now that we got this new puppy. It's, yeah. it's, um, they're really good together too for the most part Jack is kind of worrying like hey I'm the puppy but he's learning his place that he's an older dog now yeah how old is Jack um, he is just hit over three now yeah I think that's the best age they're through the tear your house apart stage yes. they are not so old that they can't play hard like they did yep. and they've pretty much learned the rules because you've got to have rules. You cannot. It's like kids. You can't let kids just do whatever they're going to do. You can't Absolutely let dogs do not. whatever they're going to do either. Um, it's funny because I would notice dogs before we had a dog. And be like, oh, that's a pretty dog. And now I'm I'm riding down the road with my husband in the whatever vehicle we're in. And there's a dog. And I'm like, oh, look at that doggo. And he's like, Jesus, you are such a... <laughs> You are such a dog fan now. He said, you were never <laughs> like this before. And we stopped in at a Petco or some someplace like that like yes. two years ago. And looking for a specific toy that Maggie really likes that she had destroyed. Oh, and, favorites, yep. yep. And there was a, a lady who had two German Shepherd pups. They were probably, I don't know, I think they were four months old. So they weren't babies, but they weren't grown German Shepherds yet and she walked out of a back room with them on leash and I backed up because you know German Shepherds they, they tend to be protective and I didn't know and Especially I said family. yeah I said are they friendly and she said yes and I said may I pet them and she said yes and the silver one came over to me and put her feet on my knee and asked for kisses and Aww. I wanted to bring her home so much and my husband was with me and I said, she's such a lovey. Maggie needs a sister. And, she, and he was like, no, no, Maggie does not need a sister. Not right now. <laughs> not right he, now. I understand that. Trust me. He said, she needs to be a grown up dog before we get another dog because we want her to teach a younger dog how to dog. And I said, oh, okay. I said, I need that dog. And the lady said, you can buy her right now. She said, you can take her home. She said, we are looking for homes for these two. And I was like, oh, I said, how much? She said, $500. I said, does that include her being spayed? And she was like, yes, it does. I looked at my husband. He said, if you really, really want her, he said, you need to go home and sleep on it. I said, Okay. I said, I said, where will this dog be until tomorrow? And she said, here. And I said, okay. So I went home. I slept on it. I woke up and I looked at Maggie and I thought, you are not ready for a sister and I am not ready for another dog. And that was the end of it. <laughs> yep. But it's so hard to say no in the moment when they're looking at you with those beautiful eyes saying, hi, will you be my mom or my dad? Oh, it really is. We just picked up um, this uh, puppy, Walter. Um, we had a pug before, and he was our what we call him our firstborn. Mm -hmm. He was there before Alice was, um, and he wasn't like a dog. He was our son. Um, he yeah. he passed away. Um, he was ten years old, and it broke our hearts. So yep. we finally decided Jack came into our life just by chance, and we had that, and we decided it, it's time for um, a pug again because they're a little bit different. 
So we drove up there, and um, he had a brother and a sister with him, and they said, we're also looking for homes for these guys too, and we would love for two of them to stay together. We said the same thing. We would love that too, but I'm not sure if we're ready for two puppies along with a It's a lot. It is, especially dogs um, coming in and out like revolving doors here too, you know. Um, it's great having them, but it's also really nice uh, when they get to go back home with their families. Mm-hmm. It's like grandkids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We get to watch them for a while and send them back home to their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have any grandkids yet, but I hear I hear that it's really nice being a grandparent because <laughs> you do exactly that. You get to play with them and spoil them and love them and then send them home. Uh, Alice is five, so uh, we have a long way to go before that happens. Yeah, my oldest is a girl. She's 34, and she does not want children. And my my stepson is 32, and he has an he has a stepdaughter. So I guess I have grandkids, but they they don't live close. And oh. he just he just got married, so mm-hmm. so that grandparent relationship hasn't really gotten established yet. I expect it to this summer. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, so I am, but I'm not quite into it yet, as it were. <laughs> yeah, but it'll come soon enough. Yeah. Um, this is turning into a discussion about dogs. It's supposed to be about homesteading, so I guess dogs are part of homesteading, so that works. Yeah, for, for us it really is. Um, I guess in a way we're almost practicing for taking care of other animals. Uh, that's mm-hmm. our long-term goal is um, providing, we'll do um, chickens um, such as meat birds and cows, a couple cows, a couple pigs, nothing really large scale, but just this and that. We really want to focus on like um, regenerative, um, you know, farming, regenerative, uh, are, are the whole land that we have. There's a nice place not too far from us um, called What the Farm. <laughs> and um, yeah, Chris and Kelly are awesome. I love to go out there. They they take volunteers, so I'll go out there and help them on the farm. They do a lot of uh, like summer schooling where they take the kids. Um, Alice right now is homeschooled as well, so we're, my wife is doing that for the most part too, as well yeah. as her job, as well as we keep up the house and the homestead. So a lot's going on in this tiny little area. Mm-hmm. Um, but that what the farm they are really everything we kind of inspire to be they have some land out there and and they just really is like the kind of the way that we want to go so it's really fun to be able to get out there on the land and help them and see what's going on and again learning for our future so we can upscale everything that we're doing now yeah and that's the way to do it because it's not it's so much easier when you're not slammed into the the homesteading thing and starting from scratch learning while you're starting from scratch building yeah exactly so uh, i really think that we're learning a lot here so we can take what we already know and upscale to a better size um so uh, i'm sorry i lost my track of mine i got the puppy barking in the background I understand. You have no idea. Maggie tried to destroy our house for about four four months after we got her because she started teething a week after we brought her home. So I understand. I really, really do. Um, so were you, I don't know how to ask this in a clear, concise manner. 
did you grow up around people who were doing who were homesteading and that's why you got into this or what how'd you how did you decide that you were going to do what you're doing okay well that um i did grow up um very well very young we moved out basically i like to tell people in the middle of nowhere one mm-hmm. of my uh first jobs outside the house was um at a dairy farm it, it our driveways literally met up across the street so i just walked across the street and went to work um so it was milk and dairy uh dairy cows and I lived in that kind of an area. We've always had a garden growing up. Um, and then even at the time, my step parents at the time, they had a bunch of, they had a big, I think it was a full acre of garden. Yeah. So I would go out there and help them and snap the beans and pick the strawberries and watch, you know, watch everything grow. So I did grow up with a lot of growing and we've never not had a garden of some sort. So really, it's just growing up, and I did a lot of construction um, and just trying to get up the ladder and do better and make more money and climb the ladder and climb the ladder and climb the ladder until I finally just got tired of climbing and decided, hey, if, if I don't have to pay for all of this per se, if I can grow it myself, it's a lot cheaper. Um, it's also a lot more beneficial um, nutritionally and for the soul deep inside, like, Hey, I grew that. I get so proud of myself sometimes. Uh-huh. Like, wow. We actually grew this. The first garlic we grew, I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. The first garlic. Yeah. That, that one really hit me. Cause uh, we do garlic and onions just on the side of our house. Um, we like to intermingle. We have uh, flower beds, but I'll also grow giant, um, giant Chinese mustard in there. Or mm-hmm. um, even, you know, like fennels or peppers in between the flowers, which oh, all that yes. kind of helps. Um, we even try to plant some of it like crap, uh, trap crops. Like we mm-hmm. plant nasturtiums near the tomatoes so the um, aphids and all that will attack the, the nasturtiums first before yep. the tomatoes so I can see them coming. <laughs> Companion planting, right? Exactly, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Try to really intermingle with all those and just kind of make it look like it's everywhere. Okay. You had said regenerative farming like five minutes ago, maybe yes. 10 minutes ago. Um, I keep saying this and I keep meaning to look up exactly what regenerative farming is. Can you tell me? Because then I don't have to look it up. Okay. Well, a good thing is, again, my friends out there at What the Farm, um, they bought some land and it was originally used to just grow corn. Um, The typical farming with the big tractor going out there. Um, So the land was, when they got it, very dry, very hard, um, almost depleted. Uh, So they, after a few years with, they take their cows and the sheep and all that and let them graze over it then they give it some time you know the chickens follow after that they have uh pasture raised chickens mm-hmm. so they drag their chickens around and let them follow spread everything out and hold on, excuse me mm-hmm. sorry walter was going nuts and i had to get him i was gonna say i could hear your baby crying <laughs> yeah. yeah so um and it's basically getting the soil back to what it was almost originally more much more natural it's it's 
has so much more nutrients in it so they don't have to add different um things so regenerating is what regenerative is okay soil almost to a natural state okay awesome i thought that was probably what it was but i keep meaning to look it up so i have a definition in my head and i keep getting sidetracked because i'm doing this or i'm cooking or i'm changing laundry over or whatever it is that keeps distracting me from looking the word up so life yeah pretty much um so i have said a bunch of times in a bunch of recordings so far that people can homestead anywhere and you are proving my point thank you so much (laughs) i need to find someone who lives in an apartment in like a downtown big city who is doing homesteading things and i haven't found that person yet (laughs) (laughs) no um i also like i I love making videos too. I always have. I've even done some um, wedding vid- wedding videography for people, mm-hmm. and so I thought that I could, instead of me just telling people like I go to work, I did this and that, and they're like, "What? Really? That's cool." I'm like, "You really think that's cool?" So I started filming it and putting it like online so people can see. Just because I- I'm nobody special, I'm just a regular person in a tiny little place. So I figured if I can show people. That you can do it too. If I can do it, you can do it for sure. I say that all the time. I say it all the time. I I did not know how to cook until I got into my I don't know, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. And I could I could make stuff in the microwave. I could make macaroni and cheese from a box, <laughs> but I did not know how to cook from scratch. And a really dear friend of mine used to cook from scratch all the time. And I said, can I can I watch how you're doing this? Because I have no idea how to cook from scratch. And she was like, of course, come on over. So I learned from her how to, how to saute onions and, and how to, I knew how to boil water, but I didn't know <laughs> what that could do for me. Yes. As it were. And so learned a lot from her and then really enjoyed cooking and started really getting into it. And the first thing that I was really proud of doing was making a roux, which is basically flour and butter. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you whisk it together. It gets all bubbly. It turns a nice golden brown and it thickens things. And that seems like nothing. <laughs> but then you take that and use it in a, a cream soup and it's really important. So... When you say you were really proud of your garlic, I, I get it because I, I burned the first roux, burned it. Like my house smelled like burned flour for a week. And I thought, man, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. But then I did and it turned out great and I've been able to do it since. <laughs> and it's those little tiny things that you master that let you feel like you can take the next step up. Yes. Yes. And that's really like, again, here we, we try to do everything that we can, that we can fit in here. And later on we can take, oh, well, it doesn't like that much water. It likes a little bit. And, you know, just scale it up to a larger scale and we'll already be slightly ahead of the curve instead of just throwing ourselves in there and hoping for the best. Yes. And and the biggest thing I've really learned in my whole life, and I'm 54 years old, so it took a while, is that mistakes are not failures mistakes are things that you learn from so that you don't do that thing again absolutely, absolutely. failure is not trying again 
Yes. And then you just give up. That's yes. Trying to explain that to a five-year-old is not as easy as it sounds. No, but she'll, she'll get it. She will. And the first time that she does something and it doesn't go according to plan, and then you encourage her to do it again and it does go to plan, that's, that's when it'll click. The bright eyes and everything. It's beautiful. Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing like watching a child learn. I I kind of miss it. I miss it a lot, actually, because my kids are all grown. So Yeah, yeah. Well, well, soon maybe you'll have grandchildren, and then you can give them back when you're done. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I am kind of looking forward to my, my 11-year-old grandchild, step-grandchild, whatever yeah. we're calling it now coming to visit and going to see them this summer because I'll be able to to really get to know her. They came to visit when we first moved in and she was not 11. She was very young and she was very into Minecraft and every Minecraft fan out there, forgive me, but it is my least favorite thing on earth and I don't like it and it makes me crazy. Oh, man. And all she wanted to do was play Minecraft on her tablet or talk about Minecraft. And like, I, I get it. You're little and this is your thing and yay team. Yeah. yeah. But it's real hard to get to know anyone when they're so focused on one thing. And yeah. we had just moved in and things were crazy. And I just, it did not go well then. So I'm hoping it'll go better this year. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know anything about being a grandma. I, I had two fantastic grandmas who did lovely things and I really enjoyed their company. And so maybe I learned something from them. I don't know yet. <laughs> but either way, you are doing amazing things on a very small scale. And I appreciate that you got oh, the a you tiny so home. Much. You got the a tiny homestead reference for our place that started back when we when we decided to yeah. go garden at our friend's yeah. place because we needed a name and we were doing homesteading at our place, but then we were <laughs> branching out. So, yep, you gotta just keep going. Um, and that's really what I hope to do with all the like social media part is to show somebody you don't have to have the 30 acres to do this. No. Um, yeah, I mean, we're again on a tenth of one acre with a full um, uh, garage, um, a house, and everything all on this space. So we don't have that much, but we do have that much. It's really when people come over and I'm like, oh, here's this, here's that. Oh, yeah, that bush, you can eat that. Oh, this over here is where this grows. They're like, wow, really? You have stuff everywhere, but it doesn't look wild. Like we just have random things growing everywhere. Yeah. We have the, the chickens, the rain collection. I mean, yeah, then we go back in the back and I make my own um, worm castings right next to the compost. And all this just kind of stacked in just in the right area, you know? Yeah. Yep. Organization helps a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. And then I'm falling behind a little bit because I was supposed to start my onion seeds last week. But, you know, I'm getting to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like are that. you are you starting them indoors or outside? Um, yes, I'm starting them indoors just because we're we're gonna try and do it from seeds this year. We've uh, typically done it from starts before, but um, mm -hmm. you know, just some of those things like uh, we're doing these awesome Zabruni shallots, which are kind of big and long, also known as like banana shallots. Okay, 
Um, I'm really excited about those because we do cook a lot. My wife is an absolutely amazing cook. And we cook, um, I mean, almost probably 330 days out of the year is, is we cook. So um, everything I really do, we try to use every bit of it and try not to throw away anything. Like we can, if we can give it to the chickens, oh, yeah, they're eating good tonight. Or we could chop it smaller and give it to the worms. Oh, yeah, you know, then we'll, we'll – it's like a, the whole circle of life. Mm-hmm. As we're trying to get through here. We don't eat it. We give it to them. They eat it. We use it to grow more than we eat it. <laughs> yeah. My parents always joke that they make chicken salad for the chickens. And it's not chicken meat salad. It's iceberg lettuce and yep. apples and stuff. And it's not even like it's leftover food. They they specifically buy the food for the chickens because they started doing that when they first got them. So the chickens get a gourmet breakfast every day. Yeah. And I just laugh because we don't, I mean, we'll give them stuff from the garden in the summer, but in the yeah. wintertime they get their feed and they, they actually have been free ranging for the first time this fall. Okay. And so there, it hasn't really snowed here and it hasn't been really cold, which is very unusual for Minnesota. And so my husband was like, well, they're not going to eat the stuff in the garden because the garden's already tilled under. I'm just going to let them run around and see what they can get. Yeah. These chickens come up on our step to our house and, and like tap on the door with their beaks. <laughs> You're not that. coming in. Sorry. No. We did that but, when we first got the chickens and um, they it was such a small place. They tore everything up. Oh, yeah. Everything everywhere. And then our back deck was like their bathroom. Mm-hmm. So every time we opened it up, I had to get out the hose and spray them off because they were just everywhere. So we finally got them down. I found a huge pallet and turned it into a fence. I made my own chicken coop because we have such a small area. I couldn't just like buy a coop. Um, it right. wasn't the right size. It yeah. was much too big. So I had to make a custom coop that would squeeze back and be perfect for them as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then we finally got them wrangled into their own little area now. Yeah, that's what we had to do back when. (laughs) Everything. Yeah, they will. They will destroy a garden. (laughs) They. That's why we didn't let ours free range in the summer because my husband put a fence up the first year that we were here for a summer, and that that kept some of the critters out, but not especially really. Yeah. And so the second summer he didn't bother, and last this past summer he didn't bother, and. I told him, I said, you're going to get those chickens used to being able to be out of their run, and then you're going to lock them back in in the summer. <laughs> he said, well, yeah. I said, I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> I, I get it. You do want He's, them out, but also you like, you know, your stuff. You don't like them tearing everything up. Yeah, and I really don't want to clip their, their feathers because oh. then if something happens, they can't fly to get away from whatever is going after them. Exactly, yeah. So... So they're probably going to be back in their run um, starting in, well, depending on if we actually have a winter, May. I, I don't know what the heck is going on with the weather here. It's I hate to keep bringing it up, but it's driving me a little bit batty because uh, last year, yesterday, we got like inches of snow. And they're predicting snow tonight, but it's like maybe an inch. Like, it's January in Minnesota. What is going on? 
this year in Christmas, I think Christmas was 54, 55 degrees. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in Halloween, we were sweating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a little weird. And yeah. I can remember being in freshman biology class. And our teacher was great. I loved him. He was, oh. he was one of the best teachers I've ever known. And he said, I don't want to scare you to the class and i'm yeah. like oh and he said but he said by the time you guys hit 50 climate change will be a real thing people will be talking about it and if we haven't done something by then you will see the results of climate change in real time he wasn't and wrong and that was a long time ago for me you know i was 15 i think and I went home and talked to my folks about it, and my folks were like, I don't know what else we're supposed to do. We already garden. We already have a wood stove. We recycle, or they tried to recycle. Recycling wasn't a big yeah. deal then. We do the things we do to try to leave the, the earth a better place than we found it. Yes. I said, I'm not telling you to do anything different. I'm just telling you what my teacher told me today in yeah. class, yeah. and I wanted to know if you think the same thing. And for the longest time, my dad was like climate change. Eh. And he's just, my dad is a smart man. And he said, there have always been fluctuations in temperatures and weather and stuff. He said, if you go back and look at the first records, you can see what things have done. Yeah. And he wasn't really buying into it. And lately, he's kind of coming around. So, yeah. Even if it is a fluctuation, I don't want to hurt the earth. You know, mm -hmm. that's part of the whole regenerative thing that we were really going for is that if we can put the land back as naturally as it could be yeah. while we're still doing our thing, um, that will really it'll make me feel better. And I'm doing my part um, as we can reach out as much as we can. But if we can do everything we're doing on our own place and if everyone did that, then I feel like the world would be a lot better off. Even if it is a fluctuation, I would know that I'm not hurting it as much as, you know, um, people are. Yeah, what doesn't hurt might just help. Yeah. And yeah. with what we would be doing, um, we're not going out shopping as much for different vegetables and, and the shipping and, you know, the whole train of lists that it takes to get that to your plate. Mm -hmm. If we can do that right here, right outside our back door. All that we can do, the better for it. Exactly, yeah. And there are a lot of things that would make the world a better place right now, like people <laughs> maybe having some patience and, and understanding that not everybody thinks alike. But but doing what you can with what you have where you are is probably a good first step. Yeah. That's so. actually been my mantra uh, for a while now is don't be so hasty. Mm -hmm. um, I want to slow down. Take my time and not be in the rush, rush, rush of everyday life. You know, um, I also uh, like to make uh, baskets out of pine needles, which mm -hmm. takes a while. Pine needles. Huh. I bet. <laughs> um, but that takes my time to slow down. Um, I used to love reading books. I read so many books when I was younger and then realized I haven't read any in a while. So I've, I've bit, gotten back into that. I mean, I went back and I read all the Lord of the Rings again, reading the Lion, the, you know, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe series, yeah, yeah. Narnia. Yeah, I've been reading all those all over again. Just slow down a little bit 
and actually have take you, a breath. Yeah. Have you read Aragon by any chance? No, no, no. I actually messed up and um, I read or I tried to read half of the Silmarillion, uh-huh. um, which is very hard. Just the yes. Way it's written. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, you know, those are my next steps, too. After I get through the Narnia series, I was going to look more into that. Okay, the reason I ask is my kids, my boys, all came to reading slowly. Like, they didn't really get into it until they were in sixth grade, grade at least. Mm-hmm. And the book that caught my youngest's imagination was Aragon. And it's okay. by Christopher Paolini, P-A-O-L-I-N-I, I think is his last name. Okay. And if you like The Lord of the Rings, you'll probably like Aragon. It's really okay. fun. And I'm a big bookworm. I read every night before I go to sleep. Yes. So the minute you said Lord of the Rings, I'm like, oh, I know books you might like. <laughs> nice. Yes. I've been looking more into that because I've read um, the whole Lord of the Rings series a couple times now. And again, I, I've stretched out to the other one, but um, I've been looking into those and, you know, so it'll be like brand new to me. I love it. Yeah. Um, another author you might want to look into is Anne McCaffrey. Uh, one of her most famous books is The Dragon Riders of Pern. Okay, I have heard she, of that. Okay. It's a whole series, and I think Moretta, M as in Mary, O-R-E-T-A, is the first one chronologically in the series. Oh, so you might want to look at that, too. It's It's very much about dragons and sort of like it's fantasy and space travel and okay. it's just it's really interesting the way she she pulls a lot of fantasy tropes in but also sort of science fiction it's it's fun okay i i read so much when i was a kid it was ridiculous that's what i was doing if i wasn't sleeping or eating i swear yeah, I um at the same time then realized i haven't been doing that in a while and it really hit me i need to slow down just a little yeah. bit you know yeah, it, it gives you it gives you a chance to find some some peace and some rest. And really, like Lord of the Rings, um, the the Ents, like Treebeard, he says, "Don't be so hasty." Mm-hmm. And that really hit home, you know. Yeah, I uh, my husband said something to me this morning, and I was like, I don't remember. I was really busy raising four kids and running a household. Yeah. Because it was something to do with when the kids were younger. And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I was like, I don't think you do because you were at work. But okay. And I just, I keep looking back at 20 years ago and how I get up in the morning and be running all day until bedtime because of stuff with the kids or stuff with the house or having to get groceries or whatever. And... Now it's just my husband and I, and our youngest is still here. He's 22, mm-hmm. and there's many reasons for that. He's bright and healthy and functioning and doing his thing. He just yeah. has some stuff going on. And it's so much easier because it's just my husband and I and the 22-year-old, and the 22-year-old is an adult. He cooks yeah. for us twice, at least twice a week because he's like, I think I would like to make something for dinner, and I say, please do. You say, I would like to enjoy that for dinner. (laughs) Please do. Knock yourself out. Impress me. And he usually does. So it's great. And for a 22-year-old boy to be interesting in cooking, I've already won half the battle right there. (laughs) Right. Yes. 
So anyway, it's been really, really nice talking with you. I, I keep saying I'm going to keep these at 30 minutes and then I look at my timer and we're at 47 minutes and 41 seconds. So I am going to cut you loose to enjoy your day. Thank you so much for talking with me. And if you can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. No, thank you so much for, for taking the interest in us, um, even though we're so small. <laughs> I it doesn't matter. I'm looking for people who are into doing things in an old fashioned way, in a newfangled way is really what this comes down to. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious about how other people are homesteading because I don't I didn't really have any friends who were doing it. And yeah. so when we moved here, that was fine because we our nearest neighbor is like at least half a mile away. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, so yay, we now live in the middle of nowhere and I don't really talk to anybody because everybody's busy. And I thought, what am I interested in? What could I do to promote other people and feed my curiosity about how people are doing it? And this is what I came up with. So It's it's great. Um, I'm, I'm glad you found me and your podcasts are wonderful. I love listening to them. Thank you so much. I never know if I'm like, if people are just listening to them to try to go to sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Um, Again, being um, this, I love all different tips. I love learning things. So when you talk to other people, I get to also hear how other people are doing it. I'm like, hey, that's a good idea. Maybe I should look into that. Mm -hmm. Be careful. It's a sickness. (laughs) It is. It really is. All right. Chris, you have a great day. Thanks again. Oh, you do the same. Thank you so much. All right. Bye.